everyone, and welcome to the Best Thoughts Podcast. I'm Rick Johns. And I'm Will Johns. And today is our final episode in Season 2 on Healthy Relationships. And I am kind of sad to see this awesome season end, but I know we've got another season coming up, so we will continue to do this. And today we're going to be talking about community, our need to belong. And Will, tell us about some of those perfect communities of times past. Yeah, so in the 1840s in New England, there were many people that set out to create utopia. Utopia is a Greek word that means a place where perfection has been achieved. Mm. And these individuals were so full of vision and hope that they believed they could achieve, they could create a perfect place a utopia where everything was perfect and and sadly for these attempts all of these communities failed after just a couple of years probably because i wasn't alive yet to join them (laughs) or lead them right (laughs) lead them into perfection oh well maybe we can try again it's never too late We'll have the best thoughts utopia. Um, yes. We'll, we'll buy an island with all the generous donations of our listeners. <laughs> That's right. Send us it. An island is kind of expensive, folks. So I need you to pony up big time. And if it's going to be perfect, I need some amenities. That's for sure. <laughs> that would be fun. But you know, Will, all jokes aside, there is probably few things that are more crucial our mental health and our spiritual health and just who we are as a person than feeling like we belong to a group, that we're part of something, that we we have a place where everybody knows our name, to quote a song uh, from a TV show in the past. Yes, yes, absolutely, Rick. Like, I think that this is one of the essential pieces for mental health, for spiritual well-being, that is the most disregarded mm. of our time, of our modern life. And, and so I think one of the best ways to approach this topic is to start by creating a framework of the extremes that we could fall into related to community. Mm. And then we then, then you and I can talk about how to find the healthy space in the middle of all of these extremes. I'm looking at three basic extreme attitudes that we could have towards community. Number one, we've already mentioned, um, and that is I have to find the perfect community (laughs) or I'm not going to join it. And generally, people that are attempting to find utopia are people that have no community because (laughs) they go from one to the next to the next to the next. and And guess what? They find broken, imperfect people and they write it off and walk away. Yeah. So that's one extreme, and we can explore that a little bit later. And then the other extreme, kind of the flip side of that is, I am going to, in loyalty and discipline, stick with a group of people that I can't stand. Like, (laughs) I hate everything about this group and what they stand for, but boy, I grew up with this, and so I'm sticking with it. And that's very unhealthy as well. And then finally, there's the pitfall of saying, I'm, I'm kind of a lone ranger. Like, I can do better 
without people in my life. Yeah. I can do better on my own because people are jerks and I don't like them and they make a mess of things. So I'm just going to go it alone and do my best without any community in my life. Yeah. And I think those are three common kind of areas that we can fall into. And I know people that fit in all three of those categories, Will. So I think they are good to talk about. I want to touch on the first one you mentioned, um, having to find that perfect utopia. Mm. And as pastors, Will, we see this one a lot because we we have a phrase for people uh, that probably fit this category, which is church hoppers. And they go from church to church to church and, oh, I really like this church. And they get all excited about it for a few weeks. And then they start to see, oh, well, they do it this way. And I don't like that. And this person said something to me. And then this person looked at me sideways. So now I'm going to go to another church. And they go yes. there and it's exciting yes. for a little bit. You know, it's kind of like dating. <laughs> we know right. people who right. they love to date, but uh, when it comes to commitment, they're nowhere to be found because when it gets real, it can be a little challenging. And so I'm kind of passionate about this first one, Will, because I think a lot of us are a little too picky, especially today's world. We're a little yes. too picky with, we have to find a group that thinks just like us has the exact same morals, values. Maybe somebody has, the group has to be around our age, our social economic background. And I think we miss out. I think there's actually a real benefit to being part of communities where you have diversity, age yes. diversity, racial diversity, yes. economic diversity. Those diversities can really broaden you if you'll open your mind and be part of something where you do interact with people who are very different than you. Absolutely, Rick. And and what you see is whenever there are people attempting to get a group together that believes exactly like they do, you lose all diversity. Yeah. And it's the diversity that helps us grow. It helps fill in our blind spots, helps us see what we're currently not seeing in life. Uh, being a part of a diverse group is incredibly helpful. It's just incredibly helpful. And, and so if anyone is out there trying to find utopia, I would highly recommend that you try to find diversity instead. Yeah. And that's one thing I really do value about church. And church gets a lot of hard knocks for being a judgmental place and a boring place and things like that today. And I get that. There's times where I've been judged in church. There's times where I've been bored in church. But I also find by being in my church, there's the older generation that speaks into my life in ways that my generation never could. There's yes. the younger generation that keeps me on my toes and has the energy and the vision and why aren't we doing this? And there's different socioeconomic backgrounds, which makes me sensitive to the different plights of people and how they live their lives. And, you know, when I walk away from church, I usually feel better not worse. It's just something about being with that group, feeling like I belong, feeling like there's another group of people. And, and I meet people that I just would never meet. There's people at church that just show up for church that I would never meet in any other circle. Yes. And it's a privilege to kind of walk into different circles when you walk into church. So, you know, for me, I can speak from experience, even though I've had my negative experiences, 
it's been good to just commit and go and just let some of that slide off my back, the bad things, and embrace the positive things. Absolutely, Rick. I just would invite you as a listener to ask yourself this question, do I have community in my life? Yes. Am I around people that are a little bit different than me, mm-hmm. that, that see life from a different angle? And can I learn from them and still appreciate them and love them as part of a community that I'm a, that I'm a part of and that I'm enjoying? And if the answer to that question is no, then I would challenge you to be very intentional about figuring out where you can find it. Yeah. And Rick, maybe this is a good place for me to say, you know, we're both pastors. So of course, our first answer to you is going to be church. But to be fair to some of you out there that say, no, anything but church. Okay. If church has burned you that bad, (laughs) that you're done with it. uh, There are other ways to get community. There are other things you can, you can join a group that's out volunteering in the community and serving the community. And that could be a way to to find community. Mm-hmm. You can go to meetup.com and, and look for people that are gathering around certain topics and areas and find community there. You can join a running club or go to the gym and find community there by going to the same exercise class every week. I'm so passionate about this topic. I want you to find it wherever you could find it. Yeah, because you need it. And how much you need it is probably, you know, differs on personality. I know some people are are more introverted and definitely need some alone time to recharge and rejuvenate. And some people are more extroverted. So how much community you need will vary. But what I think is unvariable is you need some community. You need to feel like you belong in some group. And what I love about what you said, Will, is you have to be intentional. You're not Mm -hmm. in an episode of Friends where you're magically, you and your neighbors are going to be best friends for 12 years and do all these crazy adventures together. Um, That's probably not going to happen. But you could be intentional and invite your neighbors over and you might find out you have some cool neighbors, but you're going to probably have to be intentional. It's not going to be magically... I, I walk into uh, a restaurant one day and it's named Cheers and I meet all my friends. <laughs> but we love these shows because we love to feel part of that community. We love to feel part of that group in the show. So that's why these shows are popular. It highlights a need that we all feel and that's very real for us. But Will, what's the other, you mentioned the other extreme Uh, Talk about that for a minute. What's the other extreme of this utopia problem? Yeah, so the the other extreme is kind of loyally and and with a disciplined, it's my duty kind of mindset, committing to a group that you just can't stand. Yeah. And so (laughs) everything about the group, like what they believe, what they practice, who they are, rubs you the wrong way. But maybe, you know, I've seen this in the church, Rick, where someone grew up in the church and um, didn't like it, didn't click with it, but they're just going through the motions, uh, maybe because they feel too guilty to leave, uh, maybe because it's what their parents and grandparents did, and they just can't seem to break away from it. And, And so my counsel there is that community is too important to stay committed to one that's just clearly not working for you. 
Um, and and so what what I see happen all too often as a pastor is that someone will hang in there with a community that's just driving them crazy till they reach a boiling point and then they just kind of explode out of there. Yeah. And they're so ticked off, it's so angry that they're like never again. And and I think it's much wiser to say, you know, this isn't working for me. But but I know they're say let's let's just use the church as the example because that's an easy one that we're familiar with, Rick. Mm-hmm. So you're going to a church and you just don't don't like it. Well, we're not saying to be a church hopper. You go to a different one every two weeks, but you you go around until you find one that you say, hey, this one's a pretty good fit for me. I think. Yeah. And then you commit, and not not you know it doesn't have to be perfect. You're not looking for utopia, right? But you're like you know. These are good people. I, I like what they're up to. I like what they're doing. I I think I'm going to commit to this. And what we see, Will, is people that kind of burn out and they they secretly resent their commitments to church or maybe yes. a certain ministry, but they soldier on just out of guilt and, you know, kind of bad motivations. But then it always reaches a breaking point and it's worse. It would be better if they just stepped aside or you know, found something that met their needs a little better than to get to that point where they're, like you said, so angry and burned out and resentful that it's like they throw everything out. If you're soldiering on in a community that that is miserable for you, you're actually tainting the feel of the whole community for everyone else. Yeah. Because it's very, it's going to be obvious that you don't want to be there and your negativity and resentment and bitterness it's just going to seep into the atmosphere of that community. And, and so maybe that's a good rule of thumb, Rick, is to say, you know, if, if you're a more of this kind of committed, kind of loyal personality, then just ask yourself the question, can I stay committed to this community without bitterness and resentment? Great question. Can I be happy in this community? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And don't wait until the answer is unequivocally no, because right. you, you know, you can work on things, you can adapt, you can say no if you need to say no to, to requests from the community, but you definitely need to know your limits, your boundaries, your pace, and what meets your needs and find what clicks for you. Absolutely. And let me just share a, a quick story, Rick, and we'll see if you you remember this. You and I, when we were both in high school, I was a freshman, you were a sophomore. Our family moved to a new location to Collegedale, Tennessee, and we both started at a brand new school called Collegedale Academy. And I still remember the first day going to this school, it was halfway through the semester, and how awkward that felt. Mm-hmm. And it came to lunchtime, and you and I are out there in the hallway eating our lunches, we're looking at the different classrooms and there's groups of kids in all these different classrooms and we just don't feel like we belong with any of them. And so we just decide to eat our lunch by ourselves in the hallway. And eventually a teacher comes up to us and just says, you know, guys, you're, you're not allowed to eat your lunch in the hallway. You have to go eat in a classroom. And so not only do we feel alone and like outsiders, but we don't even know the rule about lunch. And so we're being scolded to go find a classroom. You know, to me, that was the consummate feeling of not having community. Yeah. 
Like, I'm an outsider. I don't know the rules. I don't know who to sit with. Uh, it was the height of awkwardness, social awkwardness. I remember that well, Will. And I remember the teacher that told us uh, he was kind of walking really fast and just went right by us. And then without really stopping or asking or anything, he's just like, hey, you can't eat in the hall. And he just said it, I remember, in a very gruff way. And I remember just feeling like really rejected and uh, can't you see we're new? How would we know? Like, have you ever seen us around here before? <laughs> like he didn't stop and say, hey guys, uh, you new here? Okay, so here's what happens for lunch. Because that was our first day. Yeah, yeah. And nobody, nobody gave us any, you know, help or advice. And so, you know, maybe a little side lesson there is if you see someone new in your community, your group, think about the courage it takes to show up and yes. reach out to them because that yes. first moment in a new group is always a little vulnerable, even for us as adults. Absolutely. I mean, if you, if you want to think of the most vulnerable situation socially in life, it's coming out of the cafeteria with a tray, trying to figure out where to sit. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you already have kind of like a set group of friends that, are, that you know are saving you a seat. Right. But but looking around and like, who am I going to sit with? You know, there's so much vulnerability there. And and one thing I should say to follow up on this story of our new high school is that, you know, we were kind of forced to stay in this community. We didn't we were kids. We didn't have a choice as to where right. we were going to go. And so we soldiered on and we made it work and we made friends and we found ways to fit in. And we we made friends playing basketball together and we made friends doing gymnastics and we joined the choir and we made friends traveling on the road with a choir together. And, mm -hmm. and by the end of our experience at College Dale Academy, both you and I had a sense of community. We had a peer group that we were hanging out with. And so the lesson for me with that, Rick, is, is maybe we give up a little too quickly. Sure. You know, maybe you walk into that, that new community and someone's a little gruff like the teacher was with us. And we immediately say, this isn't for me. Right, right. But give give it a little time. Yeah. You know, don't decide after just one visit. You know, go try to be a part of a community four to six times before you make up your final decision. I like that you shared that story, Will, which I, I remember very vividly still to this day. And it just kind of highlights something that is so obvious, but we don't think about it, which is, we're not that different just because we're adults. Yes. Those teenage years, we all know as teenagers, it's tough to try to fit in and everybody's kind of forming little groups and cliques and whatever you want to say. But as adults, we still long for that belonging. We still want that group of friends. Mm -hmm. Now we might kind of look to different ways of doing it, but it highlights a core human need that we can see and identify at that age and somehow I think we have this delusion that we outgrow it. Well, I get married, I have a family, so I don't need friends. I don't need community. I don't need to be part of anything anymore. Yes. And that's yes. not true at all. And, and all healthy adults find communities that they can be part of. And so I just, again, want to come back to that, that it's got to be intentional. You will feel better if you can find your community. You don't have to settle for something you hate. But look around, be intentional, ask around, talk around, get to know 
neighbors, get to know coworkers, you know, branch out, reach out. You never know where it'll take you. And Rick, I want to add one more piece to this. And that is when you're joining a larger group, also look for ways to join a smaller group within that larger group. What I see often, again, church is my my thing that I, I see clearly. I see people come in and sit in the back row for a worship service and they leave immediately. And they kind of experience the larger group a little bit, but they never experience a smaller group within that larger group. Right. Whenever I see that, I know it won't be long until they just stop showing up anymore. Yeah. Because they're never really getting in to the community. Uh, never fully feeling like they're part of it. And the danger is then they would fall in that third pit that you mentioned at the beginning, Will, which is someone who just comes to believe that they are a loner, that they don't need community, that life is yes. better. You know, the more time they can have just by themselves doing whatever they want. And I can see that certainly at certain times, we all need our alone time and our me time. That's fine but I don't think that's a way to live. And often my senses with someone like that is they actually turn out to be people that are a little more sensitive, I think, than some of us. Yes. And I think they get hurt and that hurt builds up and becomes this fortress, this wall that they put up to protect themselves. And I think they tell themselves that story. Oh, I'm happier by myself. I'm happier mm. without anybody. I'm happier without going to church. I'm happier without going here. I'm happier just being at home and, you know, doing my own thing and watching my shows and whatever they think is a good time for just them. So, Will, what could we say to someone like that? Yeah, Rick, I'm glad you brought that up because the individuals that, I mean, the research is out there for anyone to find that isolation leads to depression and anxiety. So if you're feeling depressed or anxious, you need community more than anybody else mm. on this planet right now. And, and so it, it seems counterintuitive because when you feel depressed and anxious, you kind of don't want to be around people. And I get that. But that is the solution. Because when I can share the, the stuff in my life that's making me feel anxious with somebody else, and get their outside perspective and they listen to me and they kind of reflect back to me their perspective, it immediately lowers my anxiety and the depression starts to lift because I feel heard, I feel understood. I feel like I'm, I'm, okay, I'm gonna be okay because I'm in this community and this community is a safe space for me. Yeah, I think it starts with a step of faith, just this belief that maybe if I connect with other people, I'll feel better. And, yeah. and again, I don't care how you connect. If you're, if you're gardening with other people, if you're uh, exercising with other people, if you're playing a sport with other people. Um, I've never read it, but I've heard there's a great book called Bowling Alone, which is basically saying, you know, people used to go and have bowling teams and they would bowl in groups. And the point was not the bowling, it was the community. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and, and so like if you, if you go play golf all by yourself, you might be missing the point of why you should play golf. Or yeah. if you go bowling all by yourself, 
You know, maybe you're missing the point of why you should go bowling. And I, I think you just, as an act of faith, you just step out and say, I am going to attempt community and I'm going to give it four to six weeks regularly connecting to some level of community. Yeah. And I'm going to see what happens. And then, and Rick, let me add this one other piece in case somebody's just in a really bad way, because this also can happen in, the, in this extreme form of I don't need anybody. In extreme isolation, there's almost always addiction. Mm. And so I, I just want to throw that out there to someone. Maybe you know it, you just haven't admitted it to yourself yet. Mm. You may, if you're in an addiction of some kind, yeah, one of the best and most helpful and most incredible things you can do to transform your life is to get into a 12-step community. Absolutely. And and find that, you know, if you're struggling with alcohol, join Alcoholics Anonymous. If, if you're struggling with anything, I promise you there's a 12-step group for it. Yes. And that's instant community yep. around an area of your need that can radically change your life. And you will meet people that have been through it who are healthier, happier, who are free of the addiction that can, uh, you know, relate to your experience and help you see the path. I mean, I'm 110% with you, Will. I can't tell you how many people I know that have found themselves in that position and found a 12-step program to just transform their lives and, and bring them back into community, free from addiction, finding healthy relationships and friendships and, and just feeling awesome when before they just felt horrific. You know, Will, part of that process that I wanted to touch on is we have to be aware of the story that we tell ourselves. And so if our story is always, oh, I bet they're talking about me. Oh, I bet they don't like me. Oh, I bet this community doesn't want me. I hear that a lot from people who are very isolated. Well, I went to church, but they did this. Oh, they said that. I remember one lady I visited who hadn't been back to church. She's like, oh, yeah, you know, I walked down the hall and I walked right past so-and-so and they never said anything. Mm. And that was it. She never came back to church. And the story she told was that person was mad at her, refused to speak to her. And I know for a fact that person simply didn't see her, was occupied. Yeah, there was no yeah, negative... Yeah. Um, intention whatsoever. But this person had this story running in their head and I got to know her and she was always feeling like somebody was slighting her. And that's a story. And we have to rethink those kind of stories that yes. will make community so much better when we recognize, hey, I have responsibility for the story I tell myself about these interactions. And the interaction, the story should be I need this community. I'm going to look for the good in this community. Of course you can find the bad. Of course you can. That's why utopian societies never work as we yeah. started. We're all human. We're all human. So there's going to be brokenness. Yep. Some yep. of us are going to say things we shouldn't say. Shouldn't say. We're going to ignore you. We're going to be rude at times. Not because we don't want you in the community, just because we're broken, messed up people. So we have to look for the good. You can find the bad if you want to find the bad, but the only way a community works, you have to look for the good and be aware of these negative stories that you tell yourself because they're, they're coming from you, not from the group. Absolutely, Rick. And, and I want to add one more little tip just to kind of go along with that. And that is 
when you go to a community for the first time, you know, when you're giving it that four to six week trial that I'm telling you about, um, just be friendly. Just go with a with an attitude of openness and friendliness. Yeah. If if you if you throw up that wall of defensiveness and you cross your arms and you and you scowl at everybody and you you slip in at the last minute to the back row and you slip out immediately afterwards so no one has a chance to talk to you. You don't you don't open yourself up for for real connection with yeah. the people that are there. You know, but just just a little smile, uh, a little eye contact with somebody that that you walk past. And, you know, the people that are already part of the community, they may not have a lot of self-confidence. You know, they right. may not be the most confident people. They right. may be just like you. Exactly. And, and so you have to kind of meet them where they're at to try to, you know, give it the most chance for success. And I love that because that's switching that story. Like, what if I try to make others feel comfortable, even if I'm the new person. What can I do? Because you never know when someone else is new or someone else is feeling insecure in the community. And a little kindness, a little compassion, a little interest, asking questions about others, you can really help make the whole community. And then you will feel like you fit in and they will want you in this community. Absolutely. Because you're part of making it feel like a warm, accepting environment. We all have a responsibility to play in any community that we might want to be part of. And so, Will, as we're closing today, you know, I've just really been impressed in our 30-minute conversation here, how powerful this is and what a great need. Yes. I feel exactly the same way, Rick. And, you know, I think it's good that we're ending this series, this season on relationships by talking about community, because in a way, community can uh, support all of the other relationships that we were talking about, Mm. marriage relationships, friendships, dating relationships, all of these other types of relationships that we have mentioned throughout the, the season can be supported by a commitment to healthy community. So thank you everyone for listening to our final episode in season two. We are looking forward to season three and you will hear more about that when our trailer for season three drops, but I know it's going to be good. It's gonna be exciting. Oh, uh, Rick, I just have to say, you know, without without giving too much away that I am super excited about season three. I think it's gonna be our best season yet. Certainly it's going to be a season that applies and fits for every possible person out there listening. I mean, this is an incredible topic that we're going to be addressing in season three. Awesome. And we will release a trailer soon for that. So look, look for that. But until then, you've been listening to Best Thoughts with Dr. Rick Johns and Dr. Will Johns. And we look forward to joining you next season.